Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It's great to have you with me another Monday evening where we have the opportunity to reflect into this call we have to witness to our faith. Uh, if you are tuning in from, oh, the countries of uh, India, uh, Portugal, Spain, France, England, and, and Brazil, uh, I just want you to know that we do appreciate you taking time out. I continue to see the expanding audience there, and it is uh, it's a great thing to have you joining us here on this radio program, journeying in this call that we have to witness to our faith. And if you are a faithful listener to this program, you know that starting last week, we have started a series on medicine and faith. And again, this is a series prompted by my discussions with you, the listener. Uh, you wanted us to talk more about the relationship between medicine and faith, and so this is what we are doing. And uh, as last week, I had a physician assistant with me, James Mabry, from Grass Valley, Auburn area. He joined me by way of telephone. This week, I have someone uh, in that same region, you can say, in the Sacramento area, joining me, not by uh, telephone, but he is here with me in studio, and that is uh, Nick Curlin. Nick is a pediatric physician. Uh, again, in the Sacramento area. So, Nick, it is great to have you with me this evening. It's an honor to be here, Joe. Thank you. So, uh, Nick, out from last week's discussion, I had some uh, people pull me off to the side, and they wanted to talk more about the body-soul question. Um, essentially, medicine, faith, uh, for some people, they see some contradictions there. And so they wanted me to respond to that, uh, maybe with an explanation as it relates to faith and reason. This is one of my favorite subjects. Okay, and well, what is uh, faith and reason? Well, when you talk about faith and reason, we can go to the likes of one St. Augustine who says, I believe that I may understand, and I understand that I may believe. Okay, um, that believing is actually a way of knowing. Believing within the context of the encounter, right? Philip goes to Nathaniel, and he says, I found the Lord. See and come. No, come and see. Just see? No, come and see. Huh? Come is the encounter. Seeing is the reason, the knowledge. It's faith and reason. Nick, in past programs, I've uh, drawn up the analogy. You know, if you were to put a chocolate chip cookie uh, before you, I'll ask one person to describe the cookie, and they will describe what they see. So maybe they will tell me the cookie is circular. Uh, maybe a bit rigid on the outside. They'll say it's a light brown, uh, maybe a little dark brown with the chocolate chips they can see on the outside. I'll ask another person to bite the cookie, and they're going to give me a totally different description of the cookie, a description that's going to have at the heart of it its sweetness, its uh, essence. So the person who bites into the cookie gives me a description based upon their personal encounter with the essence of the cookie versus the person who only described the cookie based upon what they saw without the biting into, if you will. Okay, 
And so now you apply this to the faith, you can begin to see that, yeah, it's just not reason, it's faith and reason. It's just not science, but it's faith and science. And, and that, that description to faith is more about the personal encounter. Okay, so uh, we talk about knowledge as it relates to intellect. Well, the personal encounter is what we speak to when we talk about wisdom. Now, intellect and wisdom, these are two different things. As I often like to say, you know, Satan has a supreme intellect, but he has no wisdom because wisdom starts on bended knee. Satan sees the Son of God physically suffering from the outside, but he hasn't gained access to what's going on on the inside. Right? He doesn't know that the Son of God has just fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Strengthening himself so as to endure the temptation. He doesn't know that. And that is what I speak to as it relates to, to wisdom, because Satan has no knees. Now, what does this have to do with uh, medicine and faith? Well, let's think about this for a second. Uh, of course, medicine is a science. And if we are going to hold fast to what Christ reveals to us about faith, that trust is the most concrete act and virtue of faith, we can also say that trust is built into every science. It was one 20th century uh, physical chemist by the name of uh, Michael Polanyi uh, that gave us the fiduciary principle, where he locks into this idea where every scientist must put faith in the experimental data reported by other scientists, huh? And in the institutions that sponsored those scientists and in the standards by which those scientists received their credentials. What he essentially says is that a scientist must put faith in the authority of the journals that publish the results of various studies so that they can advance their research, their study. In other words, they have to assert trust to expand their research into science, into medicine. Again, Polanyi calls this the fiduciary principle, the faith-based principle, that in the end has us concluding that science itself proceeds from a trust that is faith-based. Amen. Um, I mean, Joe, that's, that's an absolutely excellent point. You discuss trust, and I can tell you that from my own journey into medicine, uh, trust was the he, at least one of the, if not the key lesson that the Lord was teaching me. So in my own practice, I'm a pediatric hospitalist. And basically what that is, is I'm trained as a pediatrician, but instead of having my own outpatient practice where patients will come and uh, see me and, and have their well child checks or their, their sick visits, I just work in the hospital. So a lot of what, what I do is taking care of the newborn babies after they're born, uh, during the first couple of days before they go home. That's also involved with delivery coverage if there's a baby that is going to be born premature or say a baby's born that is sick or has an infection, then you know, I'll come to the delivery and if the baby needs more substantial care, uh, needs to be transferred to an intensive care unit, then I would be involved with taking care of that baby, stabilizing the baby until a transport team would be able to bring them to the appropriate facility. Also, I see children in the emergency room, and if they need to be admitted to a community-level hospital, 
then I take care of them uh, during their hospital stay. The way that I got into medicine was a somewhat roundabout. Uh, when I actually was going through high school, I, I had my own plans. I was very interested in computers and uh, very interested in, in engineering. And so I actually, at the time I graduated high school, I was accepted into an electrical engineering program. And I had my entire life planned out as an 18-year-old uh, young man. I, I knew how long it was going to take me to graduate high school, what type of job I was going to uh, get after college, um, and then really I, I felt like I had my entire life planned out um, up until about age 60. Uh, the problem with that, it's not so much that it was a bad plan, it's that I really never invited the Lord into my life, into why, why did he put me here? Mm. And mm. so when I got into college and started taking calculus and realized that I absolutely hated it, um, I <laughs> found myself in a large group of freshmen that have the most popular major of being undecided. <laughs> and, and really, for possibly the first time in my life, you know, I, I really felt lost. I felt like I didn't have any direction, and uh, the plan that I had made had crashed and burned pretty quickly. And so I, I was really put in a situation of having to search for the Lord's direction in my life. And where that led me is during the summer after my first year in college, I had been invited down to uh, spend the summer in Mexico working with Catholic youth groups that mm. were coming down to do work for about a volunteer mission work for about a week at a time. And um, this was something that I had participated with in my own youth group as a high school student. And we went down and lived with Franciscans um, and got to know a number of Franciscans. There was an novitiate house there and really just embrace their spirituality of service to the poor, uh, just service to mankind. And so spending the summer down in Mexico, living with these Franciscans, there was one weekend where myself and two other volunteers got very sick. Um, I remember waking up one morning, standing up, feeling extremely dizzy, developing tunnel vision, everything mm. kind of going black, and then mm. just falling back onto my makeshift bed, which is basically just blankets on a concrete slab. And a couple hours later, one of the brothers came in to find out where we were, and it was about noontime, and saw myself and the other two volunteers basically just passed out. Um, and so he picked us up, got us in a van, brought us to a local physician who evaluated us, diagnosed us, and, and I, I'm not quite sure exactly what condition it was, but significant dehydration and lethargy, mm. and uh, wrote, wrote a prescription for medication. And we didn't have enough money to pay him at the time and to get the prescription filled. And so what he told us was, in my practice, I see people all the time that don't have enough money to both pay me and to get the medications that they need. And what I want is for you to go get the medication so that, that you can feel better, that you can be healed. And so we went to the pharmacy, used the little money that we had with us, bought the medicine, and um, went back to the, to the parish. And a couple days later, uh, we felt great and mm. were able to take the money that we needed to pay him and went back to him. And when we came back to pay him, he wouldn't take, take our money and mm. basically told us, you know, I see you coming down to do work in my country in service to the people here, and so I want to do this 
for you mm. and not charge you. But it really, it really left an impression on me that here is a man that in his practice, he has a practice of taking care of people, of taking pe- care of people that need help, that are sick, that are ill. And having gone through that a couple days earlier and just going through that vulnerability of not being okay, not knowing why you're not okay, um, and just being absolutely dependent on somebody else and having somebody there to take care of you, uh, it really had a profound impact on my life. And through that, I felt called to start looking into maybe maybe going into medicine is something that uh, the Lord is calling me to. Mm, that's beautiful. You know, Nick, <laughs> as you're talking there, I cannot help but be struck by the correlation between your story and James' story last week. I mean... Okay, James goes to Africa. You go to Mexico. He has this encounter with this woman who was suffering from an illness that could not be cured, at least there in, in Africa. You, you go to Mexico. You suffer the illness yourself. She says thank you to James. He says, this Mexican physician says thank you to you. You encounter God in the poor. And out from that encounter, there's gratitude. And if I dare say, it would appear to me in both cases that that was the seismic shift (laughs) that led you into the James last week uh, to be a PA in the way he is now. And of course, now you talking about your story, opening up to medicine. It's striking to me, you know, how a God meets us in the poorest, the poor, and, and he meets us in those finest details. You know, a lot of people say, don't sweat the small stuff. I get what they say when they say that. But you know what? God is in all that small stuff, too. And, and we should never forget that. Uh, so it's just striking to me as you're talking. I think it's beautiful that, that God had opened your eyes in that way. Again, in that most unexpected way. Here, you go to serve them, and now God discloses himself to you. Um, beautiful. So, okay, you're open to medicine. And as we were talking before, uh, the Spirit put it on your heart to pray novena, yes? And this was important to your, your journey. Very much so, Joe. So I, you know, I wish I could say that um, coming back from Mexico, I, I just felt so inspired by the, the Spirit and, you know, roads opened. <laughs> and, and, and it was so part. Exactly, and it was so easy for me. But, um, I, I mean, I really, coming back from that experience in Mexico, I, I did feel strongly on my heart that I'd been praying for direction in, in life and I felt like the Lord was presenting me with a path. But I had I had doubts. I had fears. I, you know, I was worried, am I not going to be smart enough to get in? Um, you know, what happens if I tell people, you know, I want to be a doctor and then, and I don't succeed and I fail? You know, what, what are people going to think or, you know, what, am I, what is my family going to think? Then what, I, what am I going to do? And so, I really just wanted to start out by praying to the Lord to seek his guidance. Show me, is this the path that you want me to go down? I don't know if, if I'm going to make it or not. I don't know if maybe you'll direct me somewhere else, but is this the path you at least want me to start walking down? And so I, one Saturday morning, I was talking with my, with my mom, and, and I asked her, you know, would you pray a novena with me to just seek the Lord's guidance? What do I do next? Do I start looking into trying to get into medical school. And so we prayed a novena to St. Teresa the Little Flower and a novena to St. Joseph. 
And then I went on my day. And mm. in that in the afternoon, I was actually, my sisters and I were altar serving for my neighbor's daughter uh, who was getting married. And one point that I wanted to mention on, uh, as far as specifically for the novena, in searching for the Lord's will, I really wanted to be clear and to have clear, tangible evidence, is this the Lord's will for me? And so mm-hmm. if you're familiar with this novena, St. Saint, Saint Teresa, the little flower, you ask for a rose as an answer to, to the prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I told God, okay, if you're going to answer this for me, I I want to really know that it's from you, not that somebody just randomly gives me a rose. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, well, maybe a red rose is just a common rose that people will get. So I, I wanted to ask for a white rose. Mm-hmm. And so I, I basically just, in talking with the Lord, said, I'm praying for a white rose that if you give, if you, if you give me a white rose, that will be an answer that this is the path for me to take. And so then later on in the day, uh, I went and it was ultra-serving for my neighbor's daughter's wedding. And as we were walking back down the aisle at the end of the wedding, they had boutonnieres for each of us. And they were white roses with our name tags pinned to the, to the boutonniere. Mm, mm. And it was just, it was such a clear answer to my prayer that the Lord was guiding me in this, at least mm. to start walking down this path. Amen. Nick, I can hear some of our listeners right now thinking to themselves, um, what's a novena? <laughs> right, so a novena is basically a very specific prayer uh, attached to a request, okay, to a saint for usually a period of nine days. I know the one with St. Therese, that might be five days, but it is praying to, you know, to God through the intercession of a saint, because we're all, you know, the communion of saints, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who have just shown us how to live with heroic virtue here on earth. Um, and so we turn to them, and we say uh, to any one of the saints, here you, Nick, St. Therese, come to my aid. And, uh, you know, a lot of people out there might think this is superstition, but I'll tell you, when you talk about faith and reason, verifiable fact, and some of the stories when you start talking about the intercession of the saints. I mean, as Hebrews 12 reminds us, you know, the communion of saints, the heavenly army, they're cheering us on, okay? And uh, sometimes they drop us white roses when we ask them to, or at least (laughs) give us a sign, right? And this stuff is not coincidence. God's sovereignty, God's providence is absolute reliability. God does not roll the dice, okay? Uh, He is not that kind of God. He might say no, he might say no, but it's always to remember behind every no is an immeasurable greater yes. All that being said, Nick, when you start talking about a novena, and yeah, I mean, this is prayer par excellence. Uh, what does the word prayer mean? Pray kari, to ask. So we go to God asking, inquiring, um, come to my aid, huh? You know, he loves, he loves to shine the light on uh, the beauty that is his family. And, and so it is right we turn to those who have shown us how to do it and so that we might be inspired by their example. And uh, amen to that. And that's, that's a beautiful story that you shared there, Nick. Thank you so much for, for explaining that a little bit more, Joe. The lesson in this process, this really this discernment process of what does the Lord want for my life, I, I came to learn that at least the lesson that I felt that the Lord was really showing me, he was teaching me what it is to trust. Mm. And if I were to sit down and, and you were to ask me, okay, Nick, you know, 
do you trust God? Well, sure, you know, I, I trust the Lord. He's, he created me, he created the, the world. He knows what's best for me. But in the process of discerning what is his path for me, I really needed to rephrase that question. And the way I did that was I would ask myself, do I find the Lord to be trustworthy? Mm. Meaning, who has a better plan for me? Mm. Is it me or is it God? Mm. Uh, and in that myself moving out of the way and really allowing the Lord to guide me, some of the fears that I had were, you know, what if, what if I fail? Or what if, is he going to lead me to a direction where I'm just going to be unhappy and miserable and, and resentful? And I, I needed to acknowledge those fears and really overcome them. Mm. And it, it, it was really the Lord showing me what is it to trust? Uh, what is it to trust him that he is trustworthy? And in his trustworthiness, I could see his plan for me was much better than my plan for mm. me. Amen. Amen. I love that, Nick, how you kind of inverted that question a little bit to put God first. As uh, Isaiah reminds us, God's ways are not our ways, and uh, our ways often get in the way, <laughs> if you follow. So, uh, Nick, you're going through this very intense discernment process. It obviously led you into medical school. Uh, we don't necessarily have the time to, to go into your experience maybe during medical school, but as we were talking before we uh, came on air here in the studio, you were talking about a story you came across that really opened your eyes to just not the body-soul question, but also at the same time, really, what it means to be fundamentally human. Sure. So there was a time in the practice of medicine, we treat human beings um, who, as we know, are body, soul, and spirit. And... I was listening to a radio program actually one time and there was a father who had a child with Down syndrome and the father was discussing how he and his wife didn't know that their baby had Down syndrome before they were born and after their child's birth the pediatrician came in and informed them of, of the child's condition and then really started going into all of the different medical complications that are associated with Down syndrome. Um, cardiac issues, feeding issues, so on and so forth. And, and the father and the mother of this child were very resentful and angry of the approach that this particular doctor had about their baby because they didn't see their child, this child that they'd spent nine months anticipating the birth and finally that day was here and they, and they were able to, help to hold their, their baby in their arms, they didn't see their child as having Down syndrome. They saw their child as their son mm -hmm. um, or their daughter. Mm -hmm. And it really speaks to the fact that in the practice of medicine, when you're approaching patients, how important it is to treat the person as a whole. And as far as my own practice, it's something that I'm really, I try to be cognizant of that if there is a baby that I'm evaluating that does have a certain condition, it's important to discuss that with the parents, but not highlight that, to, mm -hmm. to really emphasize, you know, this is their child. This child is a gift from God. It's, mm -hmm. it's um, you know, it's the child that they have now part of their family, and not to diminish that by just focusing on certain aspects of their child. Yeah, when we talk about 
the human person. You know, where, where does the word person come from? Or persona is our personality. Generally speaking, when you talk about this, this is what is the quality of, of the soul in many ways. It, it's what God infuses us with, who we are as created in his image and likeness. And part of that image and likeness is, again, just not what you see physically, but who you are as a person, persona, personality. Having, you know, my oldest son was born with cleft lip, cleft palate. Uh, we had one uh, genetic consultant, you know, go f so far as to s suggest at the very least, um, see the extent of this physical abnormality. Um, and she at least intimated that it might point towards an abortion. And of course, that's nonsense. I, I asked myself the question then, does this one physical abnormality define the human person? Of course not. And when you were sharing that story, it just struck me. And part of it was, Nick, my wife's sister has a Down syndrome baby, right? But do I call her baby Down syndrome? No, she's Evelyn. And let me tell you something about Evelyn. She is God's gift to us. <laughs> the joy she brings to our family is so striking. Every time we're around her, just an infusion of life-giving joy. Uh, medicine would, would be well served to take on, you know, approaching each patient as you were speaking to it there, Nick. I think it's so important. And it really highlights collectively why we are talking about here on this radio program, Seeds of Truth, uh, the relationship between medicine and faith. Because if you remove faith from the inquiry uh, into medicine, then you've essentially removed the human person from the inquiry of medicine. And that's the great folly of some circles of medicine today. Some circles. Again, again, I don't know, Nick, if there were any other pieces that you wanted to share there, but certainly um, these are things that I bring up because we need to be made aware of them and we need to be thinking about them so that when we approach various people who might be going through something, we're present to this. Joe, I, I feel that you laid it out uh, ex extremely well in that looking at the person that each individual person is a child of God, not just parts, but is more than the sum of their parts. Mm -hmm. And that in approaching each person, we really acknowledge their dignity that they have as, as a child of God. You know, in different contexts, we've talked about this, Nick, um, and I would just draw out one now as, as maybe a point of wrap up. There's so much focus on how much we can do, our function per se. We see the potential of our race in some circles based upon how we could advance technologically. And yeah, that's part of the human race. But is that the sum total? No. The sum total is the joy we can give to the human race, right? Because before we're human doings, we are first human beings. And what we do is only best in light of who we are before God. And that who we are is that being question, uh, being in quotation marks, if you will. Uh, so this is very important as it relates to medicine because it takes us away from this utilitarian sense of what can you do for me uh, to ultimately open us up to that more truer gift of medicine. What can I do for you? What can I give to you? How can I help you? Quintessential to the faith. Uh, Nick, looking up the clock, we're out of time. I just want to thank you for the gift of your time. 
and uh, how much I appreciated you being here in the studio. Uh, and I also want to thank you for the gift of your yes uh, to just not practicing medicine, but doing so in light of your faith. It is such a great witness to have uh, the doctors that we have in this world practicing in light of their faith. So, so thank you for that, Nick. Thank you, Joe. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.